Hello and welcome to episode 248 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson. With me is Nathan Fox and Sarah Ashworth. Sarah, how's it going and where are you? It's going great. I am in Lexington, Virginia. Okay, cool. Well, we are going to interview Sarah. She is the former producer for the podcast as well as a 1L now at, wait, what school? What? <laughs> I should know that. <laughs> I'm at Washington and Lee. Okay, Washington and Lee. I should have known given where you're at, but um, cool. Good to confirm that. <laughs> Anyways, it sounds like your game to stay on the show. Yeah. After we're done interviewing you and totally. just go through these emails with us. Wow, okay, this is going to be awesome. We can have three perspectives. Today, um, after we finish interviewing Sarah, we're going to do um, something about the July LSAT. Oh, yeah, it's now the LSAT Flex. We just found that out recently. And it's open to international students. I guess this isn't too much of a surprise given the lack of progress we've had with COVID-19. Um, we have an email from someone who's stuck in the 160s. We have a character and fitness addendum. You know, <laughs> I haven't read what that email is about, but I always like something like my stomach sinks or something. Whenever someone has a question about that, I'm kind of like, oh, well, anyways, uh, <laughs> sorry. We'll see what, okay, we'll, uh, we'll go into that. I'll go into that with an open mind. Um, anyways, prep test 65 game three. Oh, we're going to do the setup. Sweet. Plus question 12. Hmm. Okay. Oh, nice. I have my whiteboard right here behind me, so I'm ready to go. Okay. So, yeah, Sarah and I can just sit back and uh, get a Perfect. tutelage session from Nathan. I'm excited. Perfect. Um, this will come out on Monday, June 1st. That's, oh, the same day as the deadline for the July LSAT Flex. Really? Wow. Okay. I guess that makes sense. They extended it and because they changed it. This Friday... June 5th is the day you probably should be getting your mail set flex scores. We'll see what happens there. And then Sunday, June 14th, that's the week that the June LSAT flex testing starts. And Sunday, July 12th is the week that July LSAT flex testing starts. I, I don't feel like they start on the Sunday. I feel like they start on the Monday. I, want, I have to... I guess we have to verify that. But anyways. Sometimes people just look at the calendar and they say the week of. If the calendar is set up with Sunday as the first day of the week, they'll just say week of oh, that date. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're testing anybody on Sunday. I don't I mean, think they are, yeah. Okay, you can email the show at help at com. Include your selfies if you're so inclined. I don't think anyone has included their selfie recently. Have they, Nathan? <laughs> I don't know. Last week like, for the social media, we, <laughs> we we used the picture of us from the Zoom since us recording the Zoom is a new thing. But okay, yeah. This week we have a guest, so we can use the lovely Sarah instead of using us or whatever. But people Hope can put their mind, selfies Sarah. if they email the show. <laughs> we already got Sarah's permission <laughs> a long time ago. To do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I signed it. a waiver. She's on the team from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. All wait all rights have been waived. <laughs> By the way. Um, okay, cool. Well, anyways, leave us a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. Let's jump in. Sarah, how how's life now that you're a law student? Are you happy you went? Oh Does man. Does it suck as much as we said it would? <laughs> 
Oh man, life is good. I I will say it is as busy and as hard, or maybe more than you guys said. It is intense, um, but it's fun. Like you learn so much. Oh my gosh, it's just like a huge world of stuff just crammed into your brain. So that's cool. Like if you're in on learning, then you will be satisfied. Yeah. What was your undergrad degree? Philosophy. Philosophy. Oh, okay. So this isn't like too different of Mm -hmm. a mindset, I imagine. Yeah, it's like applied philosophy. So I came from econ and the whole focus of econ was like, what is, what model best represents reality? And when I just had this aha moment in law school, like, oh, we're not trying to figure out what is true. We're just trying to figure out which argument seems most persuasive. There is no truth, right? It's just opinion. Yeah. That was that was a soul-searching moment for me. I should have just stopped then. <laughs> should be like, Same. what? What are we doing here? Same. Uh, people ask me why I hated law school so much. And I mean, part of it was because I just didn't participate, so I didn't get anything out of it. But the other part of why I hated law school so much is that it just seemed, again, from someone who studied economics undergrad, it just seemed pseudo-scientific. Sarah, since you're part of the system, <laughs> how do you defend against these charges that all of law school is just entirely a farce? I, I would bite that bullet. I'd say, yeah, it is. My property law professor <laughs> this last semester, he said, look, law is a cooperative fiction and just progress Hmm. with that in mind. Like don't like there is nothing solid. And so like he went into the definitions of how do you even know that someone owns something? It's just kind of weird. Like, Oh, you're near it. Or you have some sort of fake piece of paper that says you own it. Like Mm -hmm. these are just cooperative fictions to make human society flow better. So with that in mind, let's look at the case law. Yeah. So it's like mutually agreed upon beliefs. Yeah. And you're trying to, basically get people on board enough that they behave in a way that's conducive to you and to the community. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Sorry. cool. Well, good to know. <laughs> um, Nathan, what do you want to know? <laughs> I'm just so out on that. The second they say that, the second they admit, oh yeah, no, it's fake. It's not real. It's not an actual science. It's just a collective delusion that we're all under and we're going to pretend that these words mean this other thing and we're simultaneously going to pretend that we've been following precedent all along the way and that's the way that the system works but then we're actually not going to be following precedent and the words mean whatever we can convince a majority of people right now to believe that's what they mean then that's what they actually mean I don't know I just it was to me it was distasteful but Sarah, you don't seem to be, you're not recoiling. <laughs> that, that's true. I think, I think I like seeing that play. It's very interesting to me to see this play between, oh, precedent, stare decisis is so important. And, oh, we need to flow with the times and different people see different things and different people make different mistakes. So I just think scholastically, it's very interesting for me to see the flow of people and what they think is right and wrong. And so I think I, I understand why it's frustrating. I totally agree. And I mean, heck, I took constitutional law this year. They moved it up to 1L instead of 2L. And that's a world of frustration because you just, where you're reading cases about intense racism, intense sexism, and the law changes a lot. And I appreciate that the law can change. 
and I appreciate that we try to be consistent, but it's mostly just interesting to see, to see human values change. So, but I understand why that's frustrating. I totally feel it. That's why I'm not recoiling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. It sounds like the right place for you. You're at home. (laughs) I'm enjoying it so far. Good. Washington and Lee. Yes. Yeah. Fungible law school number (laughs) 40 something. I don't know what the. It's 34, I think. Oh, 34. Yeah. It was 20 or maybe 32. It was 26 when I applied. But then That's very important. Keep track of that number. And then I, they admitted you, and now it's thirty-four. I brought it down. I see. Yeah, I see where we're going. No, sir, you brought it up. Everyone else brought it down. You're just holding the ship, holding the tide at bay, or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to get twenty-six tattooed on my wrist to be like, it was this rank. So all my employers. When I, I attended, are you getting your class rank tattooed? Oh yeah, I'll do that too. What? <laughs> how did you do? Pretty good. I was top 15%. So Top 15. For, for my fall semester, obviously, second semester went past fail. So I had all the hopes and dreams in the world of getting top five or top 10 my spring semester. But You and everybody else who was also COVID. in the top 15 after the first semester, right? Yeah. Yep. I saw lots of complaints of unfairness. Of course, law students and pre-law students always like to complain <laughs> that everything is unfair. But the, apparently, all the law school... There were lots of petitions going all around when the second semester of law schools went past fail everywhere. Was that happening at Washington and Lee? Were people mad because they didn't have a chance to resurrect their poor grades <laughs> from their first semester? Yeah, there was some of it. It was mostly not between students. Like I'm sure, I mean, me and right. my one close friend, we talked about our feelings, but um, we mostly just everyone petitioned the administration and sent their thoughts and feelings to them. And then the administration made their decision. But at, at the end, I think everybody was pretty, like, it's a pandemic. I think we're all pretty flexible. I felt flexible. It's like, hey, people are dying. If people need to be close to loved ones or what have you, I think I can take a pass-fail <laughs> semester. It's hard to even understand why anybody would think it's unfair to begin with. I mean, yeah. your grades were your grades from your first semester. And then shit happened, and the second semester turned pass-fail but people then somehow saw that as like a personal attack against them. I know. And I like, it's a bummer for sure. Like, right. I, on a selfish level, sure. I would have loved the opportunity to, to raise even higher and get all weird type a personality, but larger than that weird selfish thing is the desire for everyone to be safe and alive. So right. that just kind of trumps everything else. <laughs> of course. But also, <laughs> class ranking is a zero-sum game. Yes. So you were hoping to raise your fifteen per, top 15% to top 5%. But I think the people who were really crying about it were like people who finished in the middle of the pack, you know, 50th percentile their first semester, and then they're, oh, no, but my next semester I was going to definitely improve my class rank so that I could get the on-campus interview with the big law firm. Oh, that's so interesting. I also heard the opposite, that it was like this weird... Like, oh, only the top, top yeah, kids were complaining? were crying about it. And, and other ranks were saying, like, eh, I just want, like, I don't want to have to deal with it. So, I've already lost anyway. Yeah. I was, was bottom half yeah. of the class after the first semester. That. I could see the top ten being like, I want to get to the top five, right? That's why they're kind of there already. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And the people in the bottom half just justifiably just being like, ah, ship has sailed already. It's gone. <laughs> 
who but cares? I'm yeah. sure there are people all across. Our public schools uh, tried to, you know, make it fair, quote, quote unquote, fair for everyone by making it so that this semester was sort of this weird, like, pass-fail. It wasn't exactly pass-fail. There was, like, three levels, but whatever. And you couldn't go down. So you couldn't make your grades go down if you did poorly. But if you did better, you could make your previous grades go up. So it was like, <laughs> I was. I remember hearing that. I was like, wait, what? And so then I'm like, so if you don't do anything, you're fine. And if you happen to do better, you're Okay. All right. Well, whatever. It's just like, how can we appease everybody? Yeah. People who are behind and wanted to catch up can catch up. And people who are afraid that they can't do it in this new environment, it's okay. You'll, you won't go down. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyways. What's up with the, the, have they given you any announcements yet about the uh, beginning of next school year? Tentatively. The plan is to reopen physically, but it's kind of still a, hey, we've got a committee working on this. We will let you know as soon as we have more solid plans. But the plan is to allow students to physically come in the fall. Are you hoping for that? Are you not hoping for that? If the world is safe, I am hoping for that. Like I would, I very much prefer being in person in class rather than in Zoom for class. So that would be great, but obviously safety is the first priority. So wait, Sarah, when you say when the world is safe, are you <laughs> saying that out of like concern for your safety or for the safety of others? And the reason I ask is that maybe I'm just like, you know, maybe I've got my head in the sand, but I'm not afraid of this virus. I, I'm, you know, I just, I don't really give much thought to it. So I'm curious, <laughs> you know, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, well, yeah, I, I'm in your boat, but I'm concerned about a family member or something like that. Like, what if I get it and I'm asymptomatic and so on? But anyways, yeah, I'm just curious. So are you concerned about yourself? Are you concerned about others? Are you concerned about both? I am mostly concerned about others. I think I'm, I'm pretty safe so far as the data concerns. Um, but we, I'm just thinking of like the internships and externships and we get a fair amount of people from across the country coming into WNL and going out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's the, it's the other people worry that we would be little carriers that would go and spread it around or, um, when people go home for fall break or Thanksgiving break and hang out with their grandma in New York or something. Um, so yeah. like Lexington is a tiny town and we have, I think had our County has had maybe seven deaths total or something very, mm -hmm. very small. Um, so my concern is not super large, but it's really the, me wanting to stop trying to stop the spread of it for concentrated metropolitan areas. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a long time until it's safe. Right. I, I guess we're so. just going to have to defer to you. are just going to defer to the school, right? And say, well, they're saying it's safe. I guess I'll go back. Yeah. Very <laughs> 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 much. Because anyways, yeah, I mean, I don't know that much has changed. That's all. You know, they're re reopening everything like yesterday right. or today. I think they're starting in, um, in our area and maybe I guess in yours too. If it's Virginia's following the same rules, I don't know if they are throughout the state. But I'm like, I, I don't know what's changed. I mean, I think people are just as susceptible to getting as they were before but anyways yeah i was reading the something in the times about 
antibody levels. They, they've done some tests now and ha- have some sense of a background like level of antibodies in various populations. Mm, okay. It's kind yeah. of sort of like state by state. And the, the levels are like very low, even in New oh. York City. Oh, it, even really? in New York City, it's like maybe 20% of the population has mm. antibodies. And they don't even know that the antibodies necessarily prevent you from getting it again. Right, yeah. we don't know if you actually do get immunity or don't get immunity to this disease, and and only one fifth of the population, even in the place where we had the most cases, still only like one out of five people has it. And so everybody talking about herd immunity, you need like sixty to eighty percent of the population to be immune in order to actually de- defeat the disease by you know like the it just dies out because too many people are immune to it. And that's been the rallying cry for like open every open everything because it'll just it will it'll be herd immunity and we'll be fine, you know. But they're <laughs> neglecting the part where certain hospitals almost got overrun, and so it's not happening now because the weather maybe is better. And we did a lot of social distancing, right? But now we're gonna just decide that that's over now. Forget about it. Oh, never mind. It was fine. And we're going to reopen everything, it seems like. And then the weather turns in the fall. (laughs) And I don't know. I mean, it just seems, I I agree with you, Ben, 100%. I think it's going to just be a long process. But I think it's going to be, I think we're going to open up and then we're going to clamp down again. It just seems almost inevitable that the hospitals are going to be getting hammered again this fall. I mean, the people that I worry about are, mostly healthcare professionals, like my, you know, my grandmas and healthcare professionals, that's the people that if I was worried about spreading it, that's the people that I would be worried about. Really. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Ben. I'm not like that worried about it for myself. It's not like I want it. I'm not going to go to a COVID party and try to purposely (laughs) self-infect. Right. But I guess people I are having those now. Are they having COVID parties? I could see. I that. don't know. We hear them rumored. It's <laughs> yeah. probably a thing that uh, it's like chicken pox. Generation Z is doing. Is that really? But yeah, a like thing? chicken pox. I had not heard that. The COVID parties? Yeah. Yeah, you're familiar with chicken pox parties, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom. Yeah, joking. apparently some people are sort of aggressively like trying to get COVID because they think that they'll they'll then be part of the immune elite. hypothesizing well the top 15 (laughs) percent yeah exactly people i'm gonna try to get covid more than everyone else i'm gonna get the top five percent most covid um no yeah i because people were hypothesizing during the like peak of the lockdown you know when it was literally everybody just locked down inside their house people were hypothesizing about, hey, if they start testing for antibodies, then people who have antibodies are going to be able to like have papers so that they could just violate all of these orders to stay at home. And then you'd have like, oh, there'll be a bar for people who just already had it. And then everybody could go out and party and you don't, we won't, you know, so let's just get it now so that we can hurry up and get our COVID card or whatever. Hmm. But, That's pretty awesome. <laughs> wow. It's not a good plan, I don't think, for people who are trying to do that. It seems like a, anyway. a bold strategy. <laughs> totally. Hey, are you? Uh, did you apply for transfers? I am currently in the process of applying for transfers. So, ah, so the truth is, you don't care what Washington <laughs> and Lee does for the fall semester. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be there. I, mean, I may. I may. Apply. I 
who knows if I'll get into other schools, but um, yes, I may not be at Washington Lee in the fall. So how many transfer apps did you submit or are you submitting? I'm going to do 10 to 13, I think. Wow. Yeah. You're really throwing Casting your options net. out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I thought, no. Washington Lee is amazing. It's, it's honestly mostly the uh, small town. We're kind of, we're, pretty far away from Stewart's work. Like he has to drive an hour mm. there and an hour back. Mm-hmm. And that's just very, very taxing. Does he still have to go in? Oh, not now. I guess. Sorry. Before quarantine, Stuart was driving an hour each way. Oh, okay. So that's not a reason right now, but you're, no, but you're we're assuming, <laughs> assuming <laughs> that eventually the quarantine ends and Stuart will then again have to go into work and drive. Sorry, that Sarah, home, so. if you don't want to answer these questions, you don't have to, but I'm still confused. <laughs> um, so let's say he starts going back into work. Are you if you're applying to like ten to thirteen schools, some of those are like way outside of this area, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're going, and there's not, <laughs> there's no other law schools in your area immediately, right? So, what Stewart's going to get another job? Then is that the plan? You're like, hey, let's just go somewhere else and just ah, okay, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck. Do you know anything about the likelihood of succeeding? Given so, your numbers, mm-hmm. have you looked into that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. A whole spreadsheet full of oh good all the de- <laughs> all the deeds and I put I pulled like the median GPA for transfer students and I'm just kind of going everywhere that I am there or higher and a couple that I'm lower just for the heck of it but and then a couple yeah. of their websites will say hey we prefer you to be within this rank for your one L year in order for mm. you to come in and so oh, okay I also seem it, pretty good there when they say that. When they give you those numbers, do they tend to be higher than their entering class medians numbers? Oh, that's a good question. I, I'll i check. I didn't. But Wait, higher, but it's a different metric. It's based on 1L grades, right? It is a different metric, but it, but it might be interesting just to see, hey, look at the 1L, 25, 50, 75, and look at the undergrad, 25, 50, 75, see if they can, I don't know, are relatable at all. Yeah, I guess that's true. So wait. So then what, when the schools don't tell you that, what are you looking at? I look at their, um, at their rank and how I know, like, I agree. It's Mm. just, it's the game that we're in. Um, I look at their Mm -hmm. rank and how close it is to W and L. Um, I look at how many transfers they've accepted. From W and L or total? Both. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly those, those are two pretty determinative factors that I've heard about as well. Okay. So didn't 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 share that spreadsheet with us. Didn't uh, ask for our advice at all. Um, totally moved on. Don't no longer no longer need us. The, you've officially left the nest. I will. That's okay. Happily. That happens. <laughs> I'll send it to you. I will send you guys. Oh, I thought you would like to look things. at it. I'll, I'm. I will email it. I might clean up some of the grammar for Ben, but uh, I'll send it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> just to reset for the listeners, uh, if you're just joining us, we've got Sarah Ashworth with us. She's a 1L, or actually a rising 2L, um, formerly of Washington and Lee, but <laughs> second year, we're not exactly sure where she's going to be going necessarily. Um, and we're also with Ben Olson, who is extra cranky today because he has a sore neck from sleeping poorly. I am. So that's where we're at. <laughs> So wait, maybe we should have introduced you as like 
Rising Harvard 2L or something like yeah, that, Sarah? Exactly. Would that, yeah, exactly. Totally. Yes, that would be more appropriate. Uh, is Harvard among your transferred applications? It is, just for the heck of it. Just so I can wow. be like you grandkids. I, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, Going big. <laughs> it is, more, it is nice. more to just apply there to say you that. Okay, now yeah, when you get not? into Harvard... <laughs> On the transfer app, are you going to show that to Washington and Lee and say, hey, you know, of course, if you gave me a stipend, I would stay? <laughs> I I don't think so. I wanted to say, like, yeah, that's that's a good thing to do, but I don't They're think so. They're not even going to have a chance once you get into Harvard. <laughs> Harvard, just never looking yeah. back. No, I think more because the reasons that we would be transferring are more to make our our home life easier. So it's not so much a money reason. It's more of a... Hey, we're my husband has to drive two hours every day. <laughs> Let's Why doesn't Stuart just permanently work from home? Maybe now that we're seeing what all can and cannot be done from home, that may be an option. But I do know there are certain projects that he cannot work on from home. Mm. He got taken I mean, some projects are just perpetually on hold right now because people have to be in the office working on them because of security reasons. So do you know that Ooh. the Yeah. Exciting. Is he a developer or something? What, is, what does Stuart do? He is a mechanical engineer for Northrop Grumman. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is secure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there, are, I know there was like a very fun project he was working on right before quarantine. And then mm. quarantine struck and they got all sorts of alerts that were like, hey, everyone stop working on this project. It's not okay on all your different networks. So, so that would be a downside of working totally remotely but we'll see cool any highlights from your first year who was your least favorite person in your one on class? <laughs> oh my gosh i will not answer that <laughs> everyone was my favorite we yeah, have a small right. community of listeners what i am learning is that the law community is the smallest community so so many like oh my my brother my dad my uncle my this everyone is connected oh my gosh I'm like entering into this small huge family you don't have to name names what's the most annoying characteristic in a fellow 1l okay he can be frustrating when people will interrupt <laughs> professors <laughs> she's a lawyer already she's not gonna say it is frustrating can oh be can be <laughs> on occasion. Um, All right, sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. Interrupting professors, like. Oh wait, the the students interrupt the professors. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a well, perpetually, especially. Um, it just is like a weird. I don't know. Professors just kind of feel like on a higher, like on a big pedestal of like kind of like judges. Like I was taught in my writing class, like never interrupt a judge. Like when we were practicing for oral arguments, it was like you're going to be quizzed on stopping immediately when a judge starts talking and that's how professors feel it feels like when they start talking you just stop and sometimes not everybody does that and it feels very uncomfortable for me hmm. law professors and judges are not on the same no. level they're not the same <laughs> i think more like as lawyers are to judges law students are to law professors it's not okay that <laughs> that does make more sense yeah that makes more sense. Oh, but highlight. Yeah, and highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one time where I, in, my, in the fall semester, where I asked a question that the professor then said, 
that would be an excellent exam question. And I felt pretty cool. So that was like a highlight of, yes, I found like the holes and the, the weird issues in this concept we're learning. So that was pretty cool. But Did it turn out to actually be an exam no. question? <laughs> no. I wish. Saving it for next year. There we go. It'd be too easy if you were in there. Yeah. That was cool. Cool. Any idea what type of lawyer you're going to be? Right now, um, intellectual property or international law sounds interesting. But we'll see. Also, like academia sounds very interesting. I have really enjoyed learning all this stuff and learning like the why and all the background information. And I have heard from other lawyers that you don't get to do that a ton when you are practicing law. So maybe academia is where I want to end up. But intellectual property and international. Sarah, you want to be the first professor at the John Roberts School of Law? Yeah. Here in Vienna, Virginia. Is there is that a new law school that is opening up? No, not yet. But if you agree to come on board, we can start it. <laughs> it would be only a year and only require students to write and get their shit together. Is this your law school? Is this finally happening? We're no, it's not it. happening. I need a professor, but no one said yes yet. So this is your opportunity. You have 30 seconds. <laughs> How could I say no? (laughs) Expiring offer. I know. I promise that you'll get paid more than you're getting paid right now. Guaranteed. (laughs) You could pay me a dollar (laughs) if you're getting paid more. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. That's quite a range. Academia, um, IP, and international law. Do you have a technical background, Sarah? Um, I was a math minor. So, like, but that was still pretty theoretical, obviously. Oh, yeah. You just told me you were a philosophy. Okay, gotcha. Hmm. Okay. But I, I talked to an IP lawyer who's an alum from WNL working in at Finnegan in DC. And mm-hmm. she said that there were are many routes you can take even if you don't have a strictly technical background, especially working in things like trade secrets. And that sounded pretty right. That's the face. Yes. That sounded pretty cool. <laughs> you like secret stuff and your husband likes secret stuff. We're into secrets, you know? Hmm. So Are you like that you remember that movie that came out where the guy was in law school but he was also working as like an informant for the FBI or something? No. What? Yeah, he was a student, he was a he was an, an a night student at GW and he um he exposed somebody. That's why they made a movie about him. But anyways, that's that guy's Wait, a badass. Wait, so true story? Yeah, this is a true story. I mean, think about this. You're going to law school in the night program, and you're working for either the CIA or the, I think it was the CIA. Now that we're talking about it, and he um, he cracked some you know some spy dude for them while he was in I law mean, school. Counterpoint: It's not hard to get passing grades in law school. This is true. We don't know what grades he had. Like if he just was there, anybody can just be there. Finishing in the middle of the pack is like well, no, no. So he wasn't good. going to law school to out this guy. No, I know. He just oh, oh. You mean he was taking? He, presumably, he gave a shit about law school and also was a spy at the same exactly. time. Exactly. That's what I'm talking oh. about. So yeah. he wasn't sure about spying <laughs> as a career choice. <laughs> he was Go trying to transition student. out of the spy game <laughs> by going to law school, but moonlighting as a spy. Yeah, I don't know which one was the moonlighting. I guess <laughs> I think. Can you moonlight as a spy? I feel like you're always moonlighting as a spy. <laughs> yeah. So, Sarah, is that you? Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. What are my the secret codes 
What are the launch codes, Sarah? They're tattooed on my other arm next to my rank. Okay, you didn't have a well-scripted response. I think maybe, um, unless it's just your cheery disposition, right? <laughs> I can't deny. Anyways, so we know you're not a spy, but sounds like you will be someday. So that's cool. Any chance of quitting law school and coming back to work for us? Uh, you know, it's low. Damn. Just to be to be blunt. But, <laughs> but if I ever were to quit law school, it would be to come back and work for you guys. So nice. you're top of the list for if I am to ever quit law school. We're going to hold you to that. Please do. Should we get get to some news, Ben? You want to go Let's through do the, it. Or, or do we have yeah. more? Uh, do we want to grill Sarah more about her law school experience? What was your favorite class? Um, let's see. Um, torts was my favorite class. Why? Um, torts. <laughs> Sorry. Torts. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. It was. So I have a philosophy background and have just just spent many years deep in the theoretical and towards was applied theory. Like you had to really, I mean, all classes are that way, but with towards, I really saw, Hey, we have to determine if someone was intending to do something or not. And that changes Mm. their Mm -hmm. consequence. Crim was like this too, but towards is, um, was just my first exposure to it. And yeah, so it was very crazy to me to say like, Oh, well, if this little kid intended to hit you, in the knee with his tricycle, then that is much different than if it was an accident. And yeah, that was, so it was just very interesting to, to analyze that. Cool. And your least favorite class? Civil procedure. Mm. <laughs> very important, but it was just a little boring for me. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to laugh about torts. Actually, I was trying to think about why I had such a negative reaction to that. It's because the professor I had my 1L year, I just hated him, and he was my torts professor. So it may not have anything to do with torts. It's everything to do with the professor. My favorite class my 1L year was definitely CivPro, but we had some visiting professor who was, like, awesome. And the other people in the other sections of CivPro were like, CivPro sucks. And my section of CivPro was like, yeah, it was great. This guy's the greatest. Yeah. Professors make a huge difference. Hmm. I'm sorry you had a bad towards professor. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, I don't know, he was awful. Anyways, cool. Let's dive into this first email. Maybe? I don't yeah. do we need what so some of this stuff is highlighted. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not gonna read the whole thing. I I think I can sum it up. I definitely read this. And Sarah, you're just gonna hang out and talk about the news with us. That's awesome. This is from Eric at the LSAC. We've been getting lots of emails from Eric lately. But uh, this was just the announcement that the July LSAT is going flex. And also the uh, in-person paper and pencil international LSAT scheduled for June 27, 28 is also going to be canceled and rolled into a July 12, week of July 12 LSAT flex. So the two big announcements were July is going flex and international they're gonna which we couldn't figure out why the international tests weren't flex in the first place sarah do you know what they did with the flex no keeping up with the news (laughs) so i gotta say i don't even know what flex is i've seen the word i i still subscribe to your emails but (laughs) is a new online version of the lsat that people can take at home with a virtual proctor from a thing called proctor u where you connect with a proctor and the proctor accesses a camera inside of your 
wherever you're going to take the test and then they like make you show them around the room using the camera to make sure that Ben Olson is not hiding under your desk to give you the answers. And then they, uh, sit there and monitor you while you take the test. They changed it. Check this out. What they did when they changed to the LSAT flex, they, they were worried about the length of the testing day and they were worried about people somehow cheating, I guess, during the breaks. So they decided to shorten it so that they don't have to give a break. So instead of a five section, 35 minute test with one experimental section that doesn't count, they changed it to a three section test. All the sections count and they just straight dropped a section of logical reasoning. So the test, the LSAT flex, which is still going to be scored on a 120 to 180 scale has one section of games, one section of reading comp, one section of logical reasoning. So they changed the weighting of the sections for the LSAT flex, which seems like they could have found a better solution than that. They, they did. It's like expedient, I suppose, but I don't know. I, one could have thought about a better solution, I think, than actually changing the balance of the tests that people have been preparing for. Wow. Anyway, that's what they did. Um, despite the fact that I'm complaining about this specific application, I also am really confused why so many people are complaining so much about the flex. It's just exhibit a in my argument that law students complain about absolutely everything is that they're complaining about the fact that they're now allowed to take the test online from home and it's a shorter day and people are, they're still finding a reason to like, Oh, fuck that. Someone put in the chat last night in my class I was teaching on Zoom. Someone put, fuck the flex. <laughs> I was like, damn, really? FTF. Well, FTF. <laughs> it's like, just, it sounds like, okay, you've already made up your mind that you're not going to do well on the flex. All right, whatever. And it's just, I don't know. It's like, well, I'm best at logical reasoning. So this is unfair to me. Yeah, all right. Well, that may be, but guess what? It's all flex for as far as the eye can see. Now we've extended that out through the July exam. So maybe August will be in person. We'll tell you in another month when they, you know, may or may not make the announcement that August is going flex as well. I'm betting now right now that it's going to be flex. I just don't see them going in person unless we have a a long lull of COVID cases and that's just not going to happen. Why ever go back? It works. Think about what they did. Think about how much of a shit show. Sarah, you got the emails from... So Sarah used to get all of the help at Thinking LSAT emails for the first, what, four years of the show or something like that? <laughs> you were with us for a while. I think I was with you guys for, for a year. A year? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but it felt it like, like four. It felt like I came on because you guys were overwhelmed with answering emails. You guys had, you sent a shout That's out right. to the show that was like, That's we can't true. anymore. Well, so. your influence is long lasting, Sarah. <laughs> four so years. For like five years. So. <laughs> Maybe I was exaggerating. Um, Anyway, Sarah, how many emails did you read about fuck-ups at the in-person administrations of the test? Oh, my gosh, so many. We would, after every exam, we would just get a flood <laughs> of, like, listen to this crazy story. Yeah, so many. Yeah. Yeah, because they had, you know, they have 
hour they're paying people ten dollars an hour or whatever it is to practice like it's five days now it would be nine days a year since they offer the test nine times a year but still that's nowhere even close to a full-time job nor is it a job that even merits training how could they they would it would be so expensive to train all these people all across the country and so you, they just end up with like yeah yeah we sent you an email here's the list of things you're supposed to do i don't know how they actually trained it but it was like some campus employee who just uh, has some old guy who worked on campus and now he's going to also administer the LSAT to pick up a little bit of extra cash. And then, you know, dude is just sitting there noisily shelling and eating pistachios at the front of the room That's so right. that all the, <laughs> all the kids right. have to complain about it. And just the, all the facilities issues, the travel, the parking, the whatever, like so many horror stories from the physical version of the test. And now people are complaining. I saw somebody on, I don't know if it was Facebook or Twitter or what, but someone was like, I hate online education. There's no way I'm going to take the LSAT flex. I want the full experience. And I was like, <laughs> the full experience, the LSAT is not an educational experience. First of all, it's a box that you have to check off in order to go get your actual educational experience. I don't see what the flex has to do with whether you hate online education, it's just like, what are you talking about? I don't know. People are hey, being pissed off. While you were uh, talking about the proctors, I just had a realization. I wonder if one of the reasons they've gone to three sections is purely financial in the sense that before you had one proctor for a whole room of people, right? So whether they were there for four hours or five hours didn't matter so much. But I bet Proctor U is charging them to the minute about for their proctors, right? Like they say, okay, how long is your test? You need a proctor for that long. It's going to cost you X dollars. So they're saying, yeah, of course. So that's got to be part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know how many different test takers each proctor is watching. Mm -hmm. I was asking in the class last night, one of the students actually had already taken the flex. And so I was asking, you know, what, what that was like. And he said, it was weird. He said like, they see you, but you don't see them. You know, mm. so it's like a one way, like you're sharing your camera, but they're not. So you're talking to them, but you hear like the disembodied voice, but you know that they can see your whole situation in the room. But, you know, they could be sitting there with like a monitor with. They've got to have tons. Otherwise, they're not using students. them effectively, right? Yeah. I'm sure they're just start. Maybe they're, maybe that's what the registration start times are all about. They're like offset by. You know, they have them starting at different times so people can take like a bunch of students at once. They're not all at 11 or something. Yeah. We still need to um, figure out a way to cheat though on the flex. It just, it's like a heist. It's like, I want to, I want to pull it off just to, just to prove that I could pull it off. I don't feel like it would be that hard. No, that's what I'm saying. It would be like a real easy heist. It would be like yeah. a beginner level heist. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. how do you do it though? Cause you need someone to see the screen and I'm guessing they have all kinds of technological barriers to mirroring your screen or whatever oh, with hmm. their with their special software. What about just so we like, would need hmm. what are you like a system of mirrors? Yeah, or I don't know, like Apple. Don't isn't Apple Glass coming out? Can you see? You mean the glasses with a camera? Yeah. yeah. They do have a bunch of weird restrictions. Like, did you know that you're not allowed to use the uh, a pen on the Flex? 
No. You, you have, have to use, use a pencil. pencil. Oh, wow. Yeah. I threw away all my Better Call Nathan um, novelty pencils, Fox LSAT pencils. I like recycled those recently because I was like, pencils, we're done with pencils. We're on to the digital version of the test. Nobody needs pencils. So I just like recycled them all. And now and we're going back then to pencils. Now we're, we're going back to pencils for the flex. For some reason, they won't let you oh, use a pen. So you know like these like pads where you can write on the pad? That's what I was thinking, yeah. But even mm-hmm. then, how would that help? I mean, you really just need the person to see the question Right. So I was thinking nanny cam, you know, like one of those teddy bears that has the fake oh, camera, yeah, inside, teddy bear. that has the yeah, camera put inside it right it. there mm-hmm, on the bookshelf. Oh, nothing. This is just my comfort bear. It's yeah. not, it's nothing to Don't do with. Don't take comfy away. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take spectacles, spectacles, the bear. Don't take him away. <laughs> Ignore the light that's coming out of his nostril. <laughs> No, he needs to sit right here on my shoulder. He has to be very close behind oh, me. It's oh, sorry. Important. I'm getting word that I need to move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Hmm. Okay, so uh, then what do we do? We take the test and then we're just like, haha, gotcha. Be like Ocean's Three. <laughs> me, I don't know. You. It just. Do, it it does seem you know because I always have students who are ha ha well I mean Nathan you could just pay the why don't you just take the test for me ha ha you know that's like the joke yeah. that I've heard five thousand times but I, it's always been it's it's always I, I would never do it but it's tempting you got to do so it like, at the very end of your uh, LSAT stint that's true that'll be like the ultimate mic drop yeah I'll I'll take the LSAT for something you'd be like ha ha okay win. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> I've made enough. I've made enough. I'm down. Um, what else were people saying? Oh, you are allowed to. Someone asked if you're allowed to bring a whiteboard instead of pen and paper or pencil and paper for the flex. If you can use a whiteboard. <laughs> Like a little mini one. Some My people like a whiteboard no. better. Yeah, that's a hard that's a hard no. <clears throat> and then some smart ass in the room chimed in with, Hey, if we're limited to five sheets of paper, is it are we allowed to bring legal size paper? <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was <laughs> absurd and perfect kind of for the type of questions that future lawyers like to ask. Yeah. Paper size. I mean, that's, we learned about paper size in civil procedure. Well, how <laughs> what? Why? Well, yeah. Because uh, different courts require different paper sizes for your memos <laughs> or your briefs or what have you. And so this difference in like whether or not you have jurisdiction in a certain state, like can, like it won't, but that is technically a substantive issue because you can't bring your claim in a certain jurisdiction if you have the wrong paper size. But obviously, there's that's a workaround. But my professor was just like, look at how ridiculous this is. You that's can't, amazing. technically. So. No one wastes more paper than lawyers, that's for sure. Courts oh and lawyers, nobody wastes more paper. It, it kind of makes the uh, term environmental lawyer a bit of an oxymoron because you, you're going to have to do a lot of good 
as a lawyer just to outweigh the devastation that your office and the courts are going to <laughs> wreak on virgin forests, reek, reap on virgin forests everywhere uh, is <laughs> the amount of trees that you're going to cut. Down. Vir- virgin forests? Are any yeah, forests vir- virgin, truly virgin virgin redwood forests? <laughs> yes, yes, it's a thing. Okay, hey, that did remind me of one thing. Um, uh-huh. Sarah, do you deal with people trying to stuff wording into uh, footnotes? I'm trying to remember if this was an issue more in law school or when I was doing legal writing consulting at law firms. But anyways, the idea is that, like, you know, courts have – sometimes they have, like, word limits. They're like, look, this is all you can say. And – so what lawyers would try to do is, or or sorry, page limits, right? And they have these certain like formatting requirements. And so you have double space or whatever, or double lined or whatever. So you can't fit that much into your argument. And so then they start putting like footnotes everywhere. Because footnotes, right? It's like small text, it's single space or single line or whatever. So then you're just like, ah. Oh. And I just remember as a, I, I'm pretty sure this was when we were doing consulting. It was like, Look, buddy, you got to get your argument like concise. The goal here isn't yeah. to jam pack as many words into your brief as you can. You're just going to piss off the reader, especially if they have to read a sentence, they see a footnote, and then they have to drop down, read smaller text, single line, and then go back up and continue the argument. My goal yeah. was always to never have any footnotes except for citations if necessary. Yeah. I, we, have been taught that footnotes should not be substantive. That's a citations or some C also's like little mm-hmm. just bolstering up your already made point in your main text. So hmm. that sounds anyway. awful. <laughs> Having to edit that out. Before we move on to uh, the next email in the queue, uh, I just wanted to point out this one other announcement that Eric included from LSAC. We also announced today that the prices for all LSAC services, so that's testing, the credential assembly service, the school reports, cancellation fees, and other services will remain at their 2019-2020 levels. While the cost of providing many of these services continues to rise, LSAC is committed to closing the gap through greater efficiency in order to keep candidate costs as low as possible. Thanks. <laughs> just wanted to let you guys know that they're not going to jack up the price on the already outrageous prices they charge for, for example, the reports that were mentioned here, the school reports. That is an email that costs $45 per school that you apply to. And you've already paid $200 for the credential assembly service. Sarah, how much did you pay, do you think, for all of your law school applications? I think I paid about 500 I got all, I got waivers for this on the school side. So I just paid the, the, the CAS fee. So you applied to 10 schools. Oh wait, you're, but I mean, now you're not even count. That doesn't count. Wait, so credential assembly service costs 200 by itself. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. How many times did you take the LSAT? Three. So that was <laughs> okay. About. So there's $600. <laughs> so we're at eight now with credential mm-hmm. assembly service and three attempts at the actual LSAT. Then you applied to how many schools? To 10, I think. Forty-five dollars a piece is four fifty. So now we're at twelve fifty. 
Any other fees? Did you change your test date ever? No. Did never. you? Uh, <laughs> let's see. Did you? What other services do they offer? No. No, I don't okay. think. I, yeah, I didn't do anything fancy and weird. I was pretty. Never changed the date. Never canceled something. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. But well, still, right. wow! I've never totaled it up like my LSAT, my everything. And that's because you got fee waivers, so yes. you didn't have to pay actual application fees from the school. So that's just twelve fifty straight to the LSAC. Yep. <laughs> Did you ever buy any licensed LSAT? Did you ever buy any LSAT books? Did you ever take any LSAT classes? Yes, I bought maybe all, let's see, six or eight of those 10 actual books. Okay. That's your cheapest way to get those tests, by the way, probably. Well, cheapest legal, cheapest non piracy way. Cheapest legal way. And then, Mm -hmm. um, but you guys are my class, Thinking LSAT podcast, and I bought Nathan's books. But yeah. So I paid a license fee for that. So yeah, mm-hmm. you're you you racked up a solid fourteen hundred dollars, I would say. Seems pretty conservative that you paid fourteen hundred and you didn't you people pay can and do pay a hell of a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they're not raising those fees. So <laughs> Only LSAC good. would come out and say, Congratulations, big announcement. Prices <laughs> are staying the same. We're not raising <laughs> we're doing you guys a huge favor. By not raising our prices. And they had to go on and mention, while the cost of providing many of these services <laughs> continues to rise. OMG. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Elsa. Committed to closing the gap. Yep. Okay. Um, should, are we done with that? Yeah. All right. All right. So we're on the email. This is stuck in the 160s. Okay. This is from Nicole. Do you see that if you scroll down? Yeah, I'm, oh, do you guys still do pearls versus turrets? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> You're so excited. <laughs> oh. Yes. Um, sorry, the document is slowly loading, so it's kind of scrolling in chunks. Slowly okay. loading. Wow, yeah. Stuck in the 160s. Yes, I see it. Would you like All right. to read Do you it? want to read yeah, it? Yeah, read it, please. I'd love to. Hi, guys. Big fan of the podcast and have been using the demon for nine months now. I wanted to get some advice on breaking into the 170s more consistently. My goal score is a 174 plus, but I have been stuck in the high 160s for about for around six months. I have gotten two timed PT scores in the 170s before, 170 and 171. I have been studying the LSAT anywhere from two to three hours a day, doing timed sections and a PT every week for the past couple of months. Before quarantine, it was typically one timed section a day plus review. I usually get three to five wrong on LR, three to four wrong on RC, and zero to two wrong on LG. I feel stuck and frustrated, but have invested too much time and am too stubborn to give up, lol. Looking for some words of wisdom that may help me change my studying routine to finally break into the 170s more consistently so I can finally be done with this test. Ha ha ha. Thank you lots. Warm regards, Nicole. Hmm. So... Man, I remember being in Any that advice, spot. Sarah? <laughs> yeah, we're we're lost. <laughs> Man, like it sounds like she's in a good place. I mean, studying consistently every day. Um, since she's getting that amount wrong on LR and RC, I imagine just do more time sections on problem areas. Maybe deep dive into the question types. I remember doing that, and it improved my score to see like, oh, I was getting strengthen or something. Uh, strengthen questions wrong more often than others. And so I would just drill with the demon, strengthen questions, and that helped. Should she give up? She should not give up, no. 
Don't give up. Never give up. <laughs> Keep going. You're awesome. I mean, you're scoring well consistently. You're, you've broken the barrier. I feel like that is... Considering that 97% of all LSAT students are never going to score a 170. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> um, yes. It seems like Nicole should definitely not give up. Mm-mm. It's not like she's barking up the wrong tree or something. She's right. She's definitely on the right track here. I think she's not asking the right question. I've been talking about this a lot lately. People love to give like big picture data. Like I get three to five wrong on LR, three to four wrong on RC. How do I improve? And it's like, for me as an LSAT teacher, you got to ask me a better, more specific question. I don't know what ones you're missing. I can't help you if I don't know what ones you're missing. So I think your advice there, Sarah, to think about question types might be apt. Like first, what are the three to five that you're missing on LR? I mean, if they're all concentrated in one type, then sure, you know, maybe you need to work on that type. But the thing you really have to do, this is a demon subscriber. She's invited to live events. She's invited to use the ask button whenever she wants. You got to, it's just, I appreciate that question, but this question is not the right question. The right question is, hey, this one right here. I, I think she's been working at this for a long ass time, but she hasn't been asking the the specific question of this one and this one and this one, because <laughs> that's where she's going to learn how to improve. It's those questions that she's missing, those are the ones that that's the test saying, Hey, hi over here. I'm the one that you don't get. Maybe think about me a little bit more. So I I don't know, Ben, do you have anything you to add to that? Yeah, no. Well, first I agree. It made me think of the movie free solo. You guys saw that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So I think what people are doing is they're looking at the, like the top of the mountain and they're like, Oh, hey, how do I get up there? And it's like, no, (laughs) climb up and figure out where you're getting stuck and then figure out how to maneuver beyond that point or somehow make it past that problem area. And she does say here that she takes one time section a day and review, and a lot of people say they review. My biggest concern is that review looks something like, okay, I got 16 wrong. Um, Okay, yeah, yeah, D. Okay, that's correct. That makes sense. They may even read the explanation, but there's a difference between the explanation makes sense as I read it. And you can turn to your neighbor and explain what you just read in your own words, one, without looking back. And two, even when people look back, sometimes they're still stumbling. Anytime there's any stumbling, it's like, damn, there's something that's not totally clear there. And yet you're moving on and checking that off as reviewed. You need to become the boss of every question that beat you up. Yeah, I fully agree. This is where I don't... Someone asked me the other day, should I take the time to write out explanations for questions? And I think you can take that to way too far of an extreme and end up wasting a ton Mm -hmm. of time Mm -hmm. if you're writing an explanation for every goddamn question. But you know, for someone at Nicole's level, if you're only missing three to five LRs, maybe for your next practice test... When you miss those three to five LR, let's see a written explanation for some of those, at least. 
At least like, for the two answer choices you were debating, right? Yeah, right. Like <laughs> start it, there. And so tell me why is the wrong answer wrong? And why did you pick it? And is there a way to avoid that next time? And then tell me also why is the right answer right? Why didn't you pick it? Is there a way to avoid that mistake next time? Yeah, because you made two mistakes for every single one of those questions you missed. So explain to me both of the mistakes you made. You know, like convince me that you really understand the mistake you made. Not, I'm not saying actually me because I do not want to read this, but for herself, you know, write out the explanation and see if she can satisfy, like write a convincing reason why she made each of those mistakes. Yeah. I want to just double down on what you were just saying because I think many of our listeners will miss it. They're hearing, hey, you know, figure out why the wrong answer is wrong and why the correct answer is correct. Yes. But Nathan is also saying, and I 100% agree, figure out why you missed it. Those are two different things sometimes. There's the logic behind why a question is wrong or why an answer choice is wrong. But there's also like, okay, but what happened in the moment that prevented you from seeing that before? Your failure to understand that logic or your failure to understand it in that moment because you weren't reading it well? So many people say, too, um, oh, I just need to read more carefully. Yeah, that's probably true, but I, in some ways I feel like it's kind of a pass. It's kind of like, um, yeah. oh, yeah, I just need to do better. It's like, okay, what that's are you going to do the, differently? That's along the lines of that thing that you always complain about, which is just when people say, oh, that's a better fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They'll say, oh, that's a better fit. Or they'll look at the correct answer and they'll say, oh, yeah, well, that's just a strong, that's just stronger. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's stronger than this other one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you just, that's a, you have a tattoo on your forehead that says you don't understand when mm-hmm. you say that. It's a better fit. What do you mean it's a better fit? <laughs> Why is it a better fit? That's what are you talking always about? true. That, we could just <laughs> yeah. always say that. Just get you up just and just look be at like, the answer key and go, oh, well, that one was about? a better fit. Oh, yeah. So D, yeah. So D's correct. And that's, um, well, first for starters, it's a better, it's a better answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, what else do you guys want to go over? I'm happy to clarify whatever you want. So it's better because the other <laughs> one is worse because the other one is not listed on the answer key as being correct. <laughs> and this one is, so this one is clearly a better fit. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Don't right? understand. Yeah. I mean, it's better so, <laughs> yeah, or just, exactly. I mean, it's oh, the test writers would prefer this one. Right. So yeah, I, I want, yeah. So write an explanation as if you're explaining it almost like from the test maker's point of view, right? This answer is right because it answers the question because here's how it answers the question and then get into your own mistake. I didn't pick this because... I didn't understand that logic or <laughs> yeah, I do understand that. I just, man, I didn't realize I wasn't, or I wasn't looking for that when I was answering this question because I didn't realize it's a strengthened question and stronger answers would have helped here, something like that, whatever. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's our advice for Nicole is that you got to go deeper into each individual mistake. And uh, there's just nothing we can do really with that aggregate information. I mean, you're doing great, Nicole. Keep going. But you got to get into each one of those individual mistakes a little bit deeper. It sounds like she's putting plenty of work in, right? I'm not questioning her diligence or anything. It's the kind of work. It's right. It's the quality of work. Uh you got to go deeper on each one of those mistakes. Okay. Cool. 
This is going to be kind of interesting, this character and fitness deal. Oh, yeah. This is the one that makes me like go, hmm? Uh-oh. Anyways, Ben and Nathan, I'm working on an addendum for a physical control charge on my record from Redacted. In my state, having physical control of a vehicle while under the influence means, colon, and we got two points here. One, you're in the driver's seat of the vehicle. Two, you have the keys or can reach the keys of the vehicle fairly easily. Well, I feel like we're jumping into like this legal definition. Okay. If you're not familiar with this, it is not an OVI charge. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know what that is. I'm just guessing OVI is the equivalent of a DUI in California or a DWI in huh. some other places. Maybe it's operating. I bet it's operating. Oh, operating cool. vehicle under the influence. OVI. Under, mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I've always heard it as DUI. But anyways, mm-hmm. okay. I understand that this will come up again. Wait, so hold up. So I'm working on addendum for a physical control charge. Okay, so she was charged. Later, you're going to read the email where she says what she actually did. Okay, gotcha. I understand this will come up again when applying to a state bar and that I need to focus on the long-term impact of my answer. Yeah, be honest. While I don't want to disclose unnecessary details, I also don't want to misinterpret this, misrepresent the situation. With that in mind, this is the preliminary statement I've crafted. Okay. On some date... I met with friends for drinks. Afterward, I wasn't safe to drive, and I went to sleep in the driver's seat of my parked vehicle. The engine was running for the purpose of having the air conditioner on. At approximately some time in the morning, on this day, presumably oh, the next day, I woke to a police officer tapping on the window. After a brief conversation, I was asked to exit the vehicle and to perform sobriety tests. I cooperated with the officer and was subsequently arrested for physical control of a vehicle while under the influence. At the police station, I was cited for the physical control and cleared from the booking program on a personal recognizance bond. Okay. Um, My court date was set for some day. My license was returned to me, and I was then released to a friend. Okay. I can't see what it says, but anyways, at some time, I hired an attorney. I appeared in court that afternoon where I pleaded no contest and was convicted. I was required to pay fines and fees in the amount of blah, 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 and the issue was resolved. This remains my only legal offense. So that's the end of the statement. The reality is that before determining it wasn't safe to drive, I did in fact drive. In court, the judge didn't seem particularly interested, nor did she ask questions, but it's clear that I drove there. Hmm. I'm going to assume a state bar may one day read the documents related to this incident, so I attached the police report and the case summary for your review. Okay, I guess we don't have those here. Question one, do you know how invasive a state bar character and fitness test is? I don't know, but I think it's pretty invasive. I remember filling out a lot of forms when I did it. And it seems like they had the potential to follow up on anything they wanted. I never did it, so I can't say. Sarah, you know anything about the character and fitness test? So no particulars. I do agree with Ben that it's pretty invasive from what I've heard. And I remember we had a couple emails like this back when I was answering emails. And a lot of advice was just 
check with your particular state bar because different state bars will differ a lot in how invasive or how much they care about different offenses. So that's just what you can always call the state bar, like ethics hotline or something Mm -hmm. like that and ask them questions. They're going to be much better equipped to tell you what's going to happen with this. Question number two, do you have feedback on the content of my statement? Honestly, it read well. Um, and I think it, stuck to the facts. So I I found it well written. Nathan? I needed a little bit more contrition. I just if you're gonna be acknowledging all this bad shit, I think you have to at least bow to the morality police and say I, I don't like the engine was running for the purpose of having the air conditioner on. It just feels a little, it feels like you're trying to weasel out of it. I don't want you to weasel out of it. You were convicted. You did this. It's a thing that happened. I would rather not say that at all and just say I got the charge. Because that, the way she phrased that, it was clear that she's trying to say like, well, I wasn't driving, you know, yeah, the car was running, but that was just for the air conditioning. You see, I was definitely not driving the car. And it's like, any skeptical, critical person is just rolling their eyes. You know, it's like when Tiger Woods was just pulled over to the side of the road and at the stoplight. Remember that? He was like halfway pulled up onto the curb at the stoplight <laughs> because drugs, basically. And you know, it, it's it's just like you just want to acknowledge that it happened. Like this is a th- it. It happened. I was convicted. It was a dumb thing. Moving on. I don't. I, so this. It's too much like it wasn't really my fault, you know. I wasn't safe to drive. She's she's acknowledging, but then she's just saying, "Oh, so I got in the car with the engine running and sat in the driver's seat with the engine running, which by the way is a is an offense in her state." <laughs> so she's breaking the law by doing this. So I don't need to hear that the reason why the engine was running was because of the air conditioning. Like that doesn't excuse that legal breach. So then just don't even include it at all. I don't know. I don't know how you exactly say, but I, when I read these, these character or these, um, whatever. Yeah. Character and fitness related addendum, addendi, addenda. (laughs) I want it to just be like contrite. You know, I, I want it to just have, I want it to say this was dumb. I, it was a mistake it's behind me, you know, because this is like, she's still litigating it right with the air conditioner bit. Yeah. And what about the bit of her driving there? Never addressed in the statement. She seems concerned about it. Well, what she's saying is that part didn't show up in the actual police report because the attorney in court told the judge something different and the judge didn't ask about it, but the truth is different. I don't know. It's just like, this is all way too sloppy. Like you, I feel like she's going to be looking over her shoulder for the next four years while she waits to take the bar and have all of that character and fitness bar stuff go down. Why wouldn't you just be full disclosure right up front? And if that means you don't get into law school, then so be it. At least you don't have to be paranoid for the rest of your life about this <laughs> incident coming back to bite you 
Yeah. Like at least just bury it by just give everything. So give everything, cut some things that are a little wordy, probably unnecessary, and um, talk to your ethics hotline for your state bar or the bar you plan to apply to. Right? I'm sure they'd have a lot of insights into how you I mean, people do rehabilitate their legal career after an actual DUI or DWI or whatever. Like It's not like that's you can't ever practice law. I mean, although I do remember Anne Levine always saying, like, oh, if you have a DUI in the last three years or whatever, like, don't do it. Like, just don't apply. Like, wait until it's fully, fully behind you, like, off your record Hmm. before you apply. So I don't know if her advice would remain the same on that, but um, definitely call the bar, ask them, just be real honest with them. Hiding this, this type of shit is not the type of thing that you should just, you shouldn't be hiding anything at all here. Just... Yeah, don't unnecessarily share. But also, if if you're in doubt, I mean, uh, yeah, ask the bar, and I would err on the side of sharing. Yeah. So her next question is: Do I need to include a sentence or two accepting responsibility? Yeah, I think Nathan so. Is saying yes, just one, real short. Yeah, you don't want to like belabor it too. It's the same with facts. Stick to the facts, but not more than you need but everything that's important. Do you know if we need to disclose traffic violations? I have one speeding ticket and one or two red light camera tickets. <laughs> this is starting to add up. I'm sure I have a few parking tickets in there as well. I don't think you need to do parking tickets, um, but um, most schools, I think, do ask for traffic violations. Sometimes they word it in a way that suggests if you were just charged... You still have to disclose it, even if you weren't, you know, whatever. I don't know. You have to look at the language. Uh, every school is different, but it, these things, I mean, can I make a point? I, I have a point here about, um, you know, how sometimes on the resume or personal statement, people will throw in absolutely every stupid little detail, like organize, like, uh, you know, the, their proficiency in Microsoft Word, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and when people do that, when people put every single thing in there, it has the the opposite of the intended effect, right? When people put every little detail in their resume, then I start, it makes me devalue all of it, right? I'm just like, well, none of this is that big of a deal because you're like really grasping at straws here if you're putting your proficiency in Microsoft Word on your resume. <laughs> it's like, okay, you don't got that much to say. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of maybe the same happens on these disclosures to law schools, right? Like if you Mm. do actually show them your parking tickets, I think that might have the effect of, oh, okay, look, she's got... Like, okay, cool down. Like, <laughs> like we got you're it. fine. Don't fucking worry about it. Like, you're really... You're listing your parking tickets? Okay, we get it. You're not a master criminal. <laughs> like, it's, you know what I mean? I think that the same effect happens. You almost so, seem like a goof. You're like, oh, and then? Yeah. I told well, my sister hey, that I could borrow a car, but I didn't take exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> but listen, let's be honest. That's what they're looking for. They want like good legal soldiers, right? They want people that are going to be rule followers that are going to like just take all of this fiction very seriously. And so they want people who are going to like disclose all of that. Why wouldn't you disclose your parking tickets? That seems like a perfect opportunity to to show them how, you know, yeah, you're detail oriented. You're taking this this whole thing seriously. And I mean, maybe you don't need to like 
jump through a lot of hoops if it would require, you know, you don't need to go down to the county hall of records to pull up your traffic viol your uh, <laughs> your parking ticket violation history. We mm-hmm. don't need to do that. Yeah. But but putting in there that you have, you know, you're not sure if if they want you to disclose it, well then disclose it. Whatever. It's not going to make you look like Lex Luthor. It's going to make you look like a n- law nerd who Did we just is- have a Superman reference? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, you're not, you're not going to look like a super villain by, uh, you know, uh, by submitting your, your trap, your parking tickets is what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. Sarah, you have the last word. That sounds perfect. (laughs) Just (laughs) err on the side of caution. (laughs) Yeah. Call the bar to be sure, but I mean, the, I, none of this, none of this is going to be devastating. I, but I would, I really want her. I don't know where I got her. Do we have a name? Uh, anyway, I do not want this person to be trying to weasel out from under it. I just want, just accept full responsibility and don't even look like you're trying to get out of it at all. I don't like the air conditioner. I don't give a shit. That does not help you. It makes you look worse. That's what I'm saying. Cool. Sarah, final word. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay. Um, next one is prep test 65 game three setup and question 12. That's interesting. So we're doing the setup and we're doing one question. Sounds like a plan. You got this, Nathan? Since you have um, a whiteboard? <laughs> I do have a whiteboard. So this game is, so from prep test 65 game three. What are we going to do for everybody and- who's listening in their car? Just really describe what you're doing. Yeah. So do you feel comfortable that we can read this game setup? Yeah. Okay. It says the organizer of a luncheon will select exactly five foods to be served from among exactly eight foods, two desserts, F and G three main courses, N O and P and three side dishes, T V and W. Only F, N, and T are hot foods. So there's another new element brought in. This game has types of dishes. It has multiple options under each type. But then it also has hot dishes, which overlap with these previous types. So there's, you know, complexity for sure in this game. You can tell just from reading that setup bit, like there's more moving parts here than in a typical game. Yeah. I would have glanced when I saw only FN and T or hot foods. I definitely would glance back at the previous categories. So Mm -hmm. I'm noting here that one of the desserts, one of the mains and one of the sides happen to be hot dishes. Yep. And it happens to be the first one in each of their lists. Not that that's relevant, but yeah, it's a good note. Yeah. Yep. Okay. At least one dessert, at least one main, and at least one side must be selected. And also at least one hot food must be selected. So getting that hot food in there shouldn't be too tough because we have one of each of the different types and we have to include one of the one each of the different types, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we just take F, N, and T, we would have one of each and we would have three hot dishes. So we're like way overkill on fulfilling the conditions, which actually might have the 
effect of making the game harder because there's more ways to satisfy it, right? If it was really difficult to satisfy those rules, then the game would be easy mm-hmm. because there would only be like one way to do it. But because there's multiple ways to do it, you can start to see that this game has probably got a lot of possible solutions to it. Um, the third rule says if either P or W is selected, then both must be selected. That helps us a lot. Mm-hmm. The last two rules are also conditional. They say if G, you have to have O. And I just glance up. That's one of the desserts and one of the mains. And it says if N is selected, V cannot be. So that's one of the mains and one of the sides. Yeah. I know where I would start. Yeah, I would start with PW. Yeah, how come? Because it says if P or W is selected, both must be selected. That means either one is going to bring in the other. So you got to have P and W together and be selected. Or if one of them is not selected, then the other one can't be selected either because then you know, you'd have a problem. So they're either both going to be selected or they're both not going to be selected. There are only two options, and it affects two of our eight variables. So that's a good chunk of our variables. And does anything else tie into them? Well, P and W are side dishes and main courses. So that, I don't know. It, that would take care of a lot of stuff. So I would yep. start there. And just see what happens. I, I would too. And so I'm going to have to take my headphones out while I set this up real quick on the board. But Oh, I, we can I, talk if, about you while you're doing it. Okay, cool. <laughs> you can talk about me while I'm here. I, <laughs> it doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Um, notice that since we're picking five, exactly five out of eight here, mm-hmm. I would tend to set this up as an in-out game because there are a fixed number of spots. Mm-hmm. If this was just select as many as you want, then I don't think I would set it up in-out because the there would be an uncertain number of players in the out group. But I find an in-out attack to be super helpful, specifically when there are a fixed number of spots. So I would set this up in-out, and then I would make two worlds based on P and W, so you can start talking shit about me as soon as I take out my headphones. We're right watching now. you. Yep. Sweet. Oh, Sarah, finally. do you remember this game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think I do. But yeah, I just like wrote it out quick on my on my little. Oh, you're doing the here. game right now? Yeah. I would like Wow. You but, should put that in your transfer application. <laughs> I can still do games. Still fresh on the logic games. <laughs> now this is my favorite. Oh, he's section. coming back. Oh, dang it. Just kidding. <laughs> How's that for starters? That's good, man. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. (laughs) Chef's kiss. Yes, thank you. The reason why I put out on the top, do you want to guess why I did that? Uh, Because that one, in my mind, is going to have more constraints. Yeah, it's because... I feel like there's more flexibility when PW are in so you're than probably when PW be are out. Them, right? And I, yeah, so I, since my white space is below the the world where P and W are in, I put that as the second one, yeah, so so that I could split that later. But the PW out world, we can see right away that that we only have one out spot left. That's right. So that's, that game is pretty much over, right? If you can figure out who that might be, so how do we get there, though? Because 
you know, we still, we still have six to choose from. We have to choose five out of six, but how do we get there based on these rules? There's one rule in particular that I think can help us a lot. Well, maybe at this point we just jump into the questions. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that would be the typical novice approach. If you don't want to crush this game. If you want to be passive and just let the questions drive your experience, you can, and you can spend 14 minutes grinding your way through this game hopefully get them right i like the last rule i like the last rule too what is it about that last rule sarah you want to chime in yes so the last rule also kicks a letter out so if we have an and in then we have v on the out and all of our outs are taken care of and we have a solution and if v were in if v were in then, then n would, would be out so n in the out group yeah and so then it allows us to take the next step, which is, and and we can, by the way, fully incorporate that rule into our scenarios with one real simple move, which is to just put n slash v in an out spot in each of the worlds. If I do that, then I should never have to think about the that rule ever again. That's done. Yep, that rule. That's that's one way of drawing that rule that doesn't involve if then and contrapositives and yada yada. It's the easiest possible way to deal with that rule. Yeah. The rule says if n is selected, v can't be. And all I did was I said, okay, so either n or v, one of them is always out. So I put n slash v in one of my out spots, and now I can't ever break that rule as long as I put n or v there. The rule is already sorted out. Yep. And by the way, both of them could be out, at least in your second diagram. In the second world, there is a space for the other one to be out. But we don't care about that. one can be out. Yeah. Well, I don't care for now because what I really care about is that first world I get to attack now. It's over. The first world, and it's over because the out group got full. So that's the, the, the brilliant thing about an in out approach, especially when the out group is smaller, like it is here. And then we have this big block P and W that either have to both be in or both be out the world where they're both out. It's P W and either N or V that have to be out. So that means F O. Well, what is it? F G O O T and then the other N or V all have to be in. Yeah. Yeah. F O T V. uh, Sorry. F O T G. F G O T and then the other interview. Yeah. It's interesting. Sometimes in in out games, a lot of people focus on the in group and they don't think about the out group. But focusing on the out group is almost always beneficial because it tends to be smaller. And as soon as you fill it up, you've filled up the in group. So yeah. make sure you're keeping track of both groups. The only thing I would do with that top world, I guess, is just check the other rules. If G, you have to have O. Yeah, that has G and O. I have to have at least one hot food. I've got F. So we're good. We're good. And T. Got two hot dishes. Yeah. So we're good. What are we going to do with that second world? Well, um, I haven't done this game in a while, but I was just thinking about what you were just talking about. You're like, hey, did we comply with all the rules? And one thing we have to do is we have to have at least one dessert main course and at least one side dish, right? So yep. this is just what I was thinking about. I was like, can you even ever violate that rule? Like, given the fact that the outgroup is so small, and it's like, oh, well, you could violate it if you happen to put all of like F and G out. So you have to have at least one of those in. So you could write F or G in the in group. I mean, I'm just 
shooting from my hip here. I haven't done this game yeah. in a long time, but well, I'm just looking at stuff that has to be true. I think you're on the right track there. If you put both of the desserts out, then automatically you fail, mm-hmm. right? So we do have to have one or the other or both of F and G. But we can also notice that G was mentioned in a in a rule. And in fact, G is the sufficient condition on one of the rules. Mm-hmm. So how about a world where we do have G and a world where we don't have G? That works for me. You can do that for any variable in and out games. Right. And I'm specifically choosing G here because G is one of only two desserts and because G has a necessary condition of O. So I think things are going to happen if I make this next split based on G. And I'm going to be heavy-handed about this. So I'm going to I'm going to replicate this second world, the bottom world, I'm going to replicate it perfectly. And then I'm just going to start with in one of them, we have G and in the other one, we don't. Yeah. So real simple, right? I mean, I'm, I, and I like when I teach it, I like to show everybody the exact like that. I want to show you that baby step so that you can see exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. I, it, it's my choice, right? In the world where P and W are in, maybe I have G, maybe I don't. That encompasses all possibilities. There's no third world where the G is sort of there, right? The G is yeah. either there or not there. When it's there, it forces O to be in. Yep. When it's not there, the G O rule doesn't apply. Doesn't apply. And that's important because mm-hmm. some people, you know, are going to put that O out. Yeah. That's why worlds is better than the conditional reasoning, mm-hmm. by the way. When people do that conditional reasoning, it has this paradoxical result of forcing them to confuse sufficient for necessary. They make the exact error that they're supposed to be learning to avoid because they think about the contrapositive so much. Yeah. If you think about it in another way, just, hey, if the G's there, then you have to have the O. And if the G's there, the rule disappears. Sorry, if the G's not there, the rule disappears. It's a much easier way of just wrapping your head around that rule. So that rule's gone now. But because G and F are the only two desserts... In the world where G's out, we know F has to be in. Yeah. And now we're like almost done. That's looking really good because the top world is done. I, I would cycle back through the rules one more time, you know, just and maybe here and here I'd be looking for. I know I have a dessert in both of them, so I don't need to worry about that. P and W. Oh, that's a main and a side. So I've got my dessert, my main, and my side. Do you have your hot? In all of my worlds. Mm-hmm. This is hot. But we don't have a hot in the... There I don't have a hot. Who's left for hot? N and T. Just N and T? That's we... it. Okay, so this has to be N or T. Oh, wait. Could we have we F? Do... We could have F. Oh, oh or we could F. have F. Because it's at least one dessert. So that has to be F or N or T. Does that mean anybody over here goes out? No, because it's going to be two out of the three. Oh, wait. Nope. Nope. V. V is out for sure. Because if V because comes in. It's not hot. Mm-hmm. So then this turns into. V. V. That turns into V. And so then this is going to be the two of F, N, and T that are not chosen. Yeah. How about this world? It's going to be two out of the three of whoever's left, or two out of the four, I'm sorry, of whoever's left. Yeah. That's N, V, O, T. 
and T. Hey, by the way, one thing I like doing in the second world sometimes, sure. um, I'd probably write those like three, and then at this point realizing that those three are bouncing between the remaining slots, I'd probably write them out with arcs. That's just my preference, so I can see, oh, look, this could move in or out of the groups. So, okay, so like... That's just something I like to do. I don't. Some people may like it, may not. It depends on whether you find it confusing. But I can just see those things moving back and forth quickly in my head, and I don't have to draw much. Something like that? Mm-hmm. If you're in a car, sorry, guys. We'll be posting this on YouTube, and you yeah. can meet us all in person. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that, so... That made relatively quick work out of what I think would be a fairly complicated game if you started writing out all the conditionals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, For sure. Like, really? Do you think it would be better to write out PW block arrow? Well, and and I've done that. If G not O and not O, then you can't have G. It's like, why do you even need the contrapositives? You don't need the contrapositives. You make a world where the sufficient condition is true and a world where the sufficient condition is false, and then the rule just goes away. Yeah. For a good laugh, go back and find videos from me from 2014. Oh, same here. It's totally same here. Back my like LSAT dogma days of teaching the LSAT. I mean, I have to like reshoot all of the videos that I ever did seven years ago because I was just doing them in such convoluted ways. And now that I've realized you can sort it out with worlds, it's so much easier. I mean, I end up here with just three templates. Think about how easy the game is that I get to play from here because I no longer have to even process any of the rules. All I have to do is just stay within my templates. The rules have been fully baked in. If I stay within these templates, I can't break the rules. So I don't have to think about the rules. I just think about solutions to the game and then it's over. Anyway, on the agenda, we're supposed to do question number 12. Ben, you want to handle it? I can handle it. Which one of the following is a list of foods that could be the foods selected? Can you make Good. a fire? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Ben's kids are burning down the house while Ben is <laughs> recording the podcast. It's true dedication to the show. I uh, Hey, I'm sticking here. It doesn't matter what happens. Okay, so which one of the following is a list of foods that could be the foods selected? Uh, I have to admit your diagram is a little blurry, but... Let me see if I can still see it. I'm just going to go through these. Oh, this is like... Well, you can just do the rule process of elimination by the rules. <sighs> That's true. I was so excited about your worlds. All right. So anyways, we know that PW has to be either together or out, right? So I see D is gone because it doesn't have PW. So I'm just crossing that out. D just has P without yep. W. Yep. So it's out. Okay, and then another rule, if G is in, then O is in. So I'm looking for G, and I see that in C, but I don't see O, so that's out. So D and C are out. Then um, let's look for another one. How about one hot food? So FNT. So I see FNT. Let's see, FNT, FNT. Uh Uh-oh, I don't see FNT in E, so that's out. So we're down to A and B. Down to A and B. And we have to have... Uh, I'm surprised see. you didn't test N and V first. That was yeah. a real easy one to test. Sarah doesn't like it that you did that. It's true. I take umbrage, Go ahead, Sarah. I take umbrage with your assessment of my... <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's 
Sarah, you want to help? Yeah. So we also know that if we have N, we cannot have V. And A has got N and V. So that one's out. Yeah, that's a pretty easy one to scan for. That's why I would have done those last two rules probably. I would have done the last three rules before I started getting into the hot and the dessert and the main and the side and all that. But, yep. Um, when you process things quickly, you know. Yes. That's true. I'm not used to being as bright as Ben is. So, I, you know, he can get away with doing it in inefficient ways. I have to make sure to do it at maximum efficiency or else I can't possibly keep up. Um Hey, we got okay, fires so the over here, all right? We got fires. Going yeah, true. Like, chill out. <laughs> a lot of distractions. All his kids burn his house down. All right. Um, I guess that's what all we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to do the questions today, Ben? The I rest of the questions? I don't know why. It's only question 12, but... We just follow what was on the agenda. <laughs> we just do what we're told. <laughs> um, you know how it is, Sarah. You had oh. all the power back then. Now Annalisa does. Or A dot, I should say. Yeah. When did this nickname happen? You like a uh, I don't know, a year plus ago. <laughs> Annalisa wrote her uh thesis, her master's thesis about Kendrick Lamar, who people call Kendrick K dot. And so I didn't know if Annalisa had a nickname or not, so I started calling her A dot. That's awesome. And it seems like it's stuck. I like it. She likes it, I yeah. think. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Well we'll start calling you Harvard Girl. So anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to say one more thing about this. Like, we probably don't need to do the questions because once you have a setup, the games are it's fairly trivial from here, right? The the questions should be fairly easy. And I get that a lot in my classes where it's like, oh, once you set it up, then I got it. Yeah. So this should be sufficient. Cool. Anyway. Yeah, join the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook um, if you want to. A lot of people there. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Thinking LSAT. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at nfox. He says he likes it. He always gives a plug for it. Yeah, I I'm actually use Twitter, so plug, if you so. want to say hi to me over there, you can. See, I knew he was going to do it. Then yeah. you can go to lsatdemon.com. That's our class. That's our app. That's everything you need to prepare for the LSAT. Uh, you can find those videos from 2014 there as well if you want to laugh. The podcast is at thinkinglsat.com. Leave us a review, please, as always. Thank you so much again, Sarah, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You made we gotta it have you ten back, times Sarah. better. Yeah. We can give a uh, first semester, second year Harvard <laughs> update. There we go. I'll give you guys when you come each back semester. on the show. We want it. That was episode 248 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks, all y'all, for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Mm-hmm.